Well, I shared with you a couple of uh, weeks ago that right now, from what they tell us, there are about 7 billion people on planet Earth. But did you know that out of that 7 billion people, they also tell us that uh, researchers estimate that only about 2 billion people claim to have a relationship with Christ. And probably that's a pretty generous number. But if we take that number, if we take 2 billion out of 7 billion, even if we accept that estimate, that means that there are 5 billion people in this world who do not have a relationship with God. There are 5 billion people who right now are trying to live life some other way than the way God created them to. They're following some other God, maybe their own thoughts, maybe some idol, maybe some God of their country, but they're following some other God than the God who created them for a purpose and a plan. And they're headed towards a day that they're going to stand in front of that God. Whether they ever know Him or not, they're going to stand in front of that God and have to give an account for their life, and they're not ready for either one of those things. They're not ready to live this life, and they're not ready to face that judgment one day. Well, hopefully, as followers of Jesus, that matters to us. Amen? It matters to us that there are many, many people in the world who do not have the hope, the salvation, the forgiveness, the power, the healing that is found in Jesus Christ. And if we do care, the question might be tonight, where do we start? It might sound like a daunting task, doesn't it? Five billion people, okay, where do we start? But I want to encourage you tonight, when you begin to think about it, it may not be as hard as we think it is. First of all, think about the opportunity that we have now with with so much access to the world. I mean, there are countries, there are nations of the world now that a person cannot physically go into and share the good news without at least endangering their life. But radio waves can go over there, amen? And there are radio waves and there are pastors and there are uh, proclaimers of God's truth that are sending the good news over radio waves in the countries that, that won't technically won't allow the good news, but it's able to get there because of radio. Now with the internet, now there's access all over the world. And, but you say, well, well, there's some places that don't have internet access. Well, it's kind of hard to find them, to be honest with you. I was in Kenya in the area they call the bush. We would go 40 miles out into what they call the bush. That's about the farthest out in the middle of nowhere I've ever been, okay? And we would go out in the bush. <laughs> this was crazy. It was like a worldview clash. It was like we'd go out in the bush, and people would not have water. They would not have electricity. But they're talking on their cell phone. Are you kidding me? Wow. Unbelievable how the internet and how all that technology has connected the world. And listen, friends, it can be a huge, devastating uh, uh, tool of the enemy to tear up lives, but it can also be a great resource for spreading God's good news. But I even want to share the mathematics of it with you. I was reading recently, and as I did, I discovered this amazing fact. Listen to this. I don't know if I've ever heard this. If one of us led another person to Christ, one other person to Christ, and spent six months helping that person grow, then if the two of us did that same thing with two other people, then if the four of us did that the same, uh, the same thing the next six months, and so on. Basically, if everybody who came to know the Lord turned around and helped someone else grow for six months, did you know that it would only take about 16 or 17 years to disciple 
to spend six months to lead people to Christ and to spend six months helping them grow in that relationship. Isn't that amazing? It would only take about 16 or 17 years to do that. Wow, what does that tell me? It is doable, amen? Friends, listen. If followers of Jesus, if we would get serious about what God's called us to do, we could fulfill the mission he's given us. By the way, if you're here tonight and you would say, hey, Pastor Robbie, I'm all for this Jesus stuff. I'm all for God working in my life, but I'm not interested in this part. You know, that whole, you know, getting kind of crazy about it and telling other people, you might want to hold off that assessment for just a moment because we're going to talk about some scriptures that might challenge that thinking. This is pretty important to the one that we say is our Lord. This is pretty important to the one that I say that I'm following. And I would also say this to you for your own benefit. It's very possible that if you are saying that I am a follower of Jesus Christ, that, that if you're feeling unfulfilled or there's something in your life that feels like, you know what, I feel like I'm missing something in my relationship with God, it is very possible that if you are not fulfilling this part of God's work in your life, that you're going to sense some sort of unfulfillment or some sort of frustration about what's missing in my life because this is one of the most important, if not, I could probably make the case, this is the most important assignment that god has given for his people to fulfill through our lives while we live on this earth wow i would say if i'm a follower of jesus and if i'm not fulfilling the main thing he gave me to do something's probably not going to feel right amen so tonight i want to just challenge you to hold off on that assessment for just a minute and just think about tonight together as we study god's word god's plan for reaching the nations. Isn't that good news? God has a plan, amen? I'm glad somebody does, amen? I mean, I'm supposed to be kind of servant leading my home as a, as a, as a husband, as a, as a dad. I'm kind of glad God's got a plan because sometimes I don't know if I have one, but God's got a plan for touching the world. And we're going to look at two passages tonight. As I said a little bit earlier in the service, if you've been a Christian for a little while, you may be familiar with some of these passages. They're very important passages to Christians Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and we're also going to study Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. These two passages that we're going to look at together tonight are two of the most important passages in the Bible. I thought about it as I was thinking about that this week, as I was going to share that. Well, you know, I say that every week, Donna. I say every week, these verses that we're going to study are some of the most important in Scripture. They're all important, amen? Have you got that idea? But no, really, these are. These are very critical To our walk with God. Have you ever thought about the power of last words? Many people in our church family, unfortunately, have been having to deal with the loss or the imminent, the the threat of of losing a family member here uh, recently. You know what? When When we see someone coming down to the end of their life, those words, those last words that we share are some of the most precious, aren't they? They could be some of the most important, some of the most critical that we ever share. If that's the case, it should be powerful for us to realize that the verses that we're going to read together this weekend as we share God's word were the last things Jesus had to say. Now listen, okay, you can almost read what we're going to read tonight and put dot, 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 because he went to heaven after he said these things, and that was the last thing he said until he comes back one day. That's pretty important, isn't it? 
That says when Jesus comes back, these ought to be things that, that are fresh on our mind that we were aware of and that we allowed God to burn into our hearts. So, so let's talk about God's plan for reaching the nations. And the first thing is this. God has called us as his followers to be his witnesses. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, actually, I'm going to back up a little bit. It, it talks about that Jesus was uh, gathering there with some of his disciples after he died on the cross, after he rose from the dead. He was there with his disciples. It tells us uh, uh, for 40 days he spent with them teaching and ministering to them and preparing them for his departure. It says they came together in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, and they were asking, Lord, is it, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? They were kind of not really quite getting the bigger picture. And Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs which the the Father has fixed by his own authority. Now listen, we should study about the end of the age. We should study what the Bible says about that. But there is a limit to what we can know about when Jesus is coming back, okay? And Jesus said, we need to be a little careful because there's some Christians and there's some of you in this room that are really fascinated with that and really kind of get captured by that and you get your focus off. He says, it's not really ultimately for you to know that. But you, here's what you should do. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. And then there in verse 9, it's just like I said, after he said these words, guess what? He started going up. He started leaving. These were the last words that we have recorded that Jesus said before he went back to heaven. Jesus says, okay. I'm leaving for a while, but here is what I want you to do. He says, I want you to be my witnesses. What does that mean? What does it mean to be a witness? Anybody? And the kids, what's a witness do? What do they do? What, buddy? Okay, in court, a witness is someone who helps solve a case because they saw something, right? A witness is someone who shares, I had something happen or I saw something and I'm sharing what I saw. I'm going to tell other people what happened to me. By the way, some of you might know this, but telling others about God became so dangerous, especially early on for those early believers, that the word, the Greek word for witness, actually came to be the word that we use, the word martyr. Okay? The word martyr is actually an English transliteration of the, of the Greek word that is the word witness. And so it became so dangerous to be a witness for God early on that that actually began to be the word that we use for the word martyr, someone who actually dies for sharing their faith. Aren't you thankful that at least not yet we live in a country where people aren't dying? But all over the world there are people at least not as much as in some other places, but all over the world and throughout history, there have been people who've died because they were a witness, a faithful witness of Jesus. But Jesus said, here's what I want you to do. I want the nations to hear my good news, and I want you to be the witnesses that share it with them. And here's how I want you to do that. And Jesus mentioned several areas. Now, what can I share with you? Well, he says, here, here's, here's how that's going to happen. First of all, I want you to be my witness in Jerusalem. Now, I want to kind of translate that for us. What does that mean for us today? He says, okay, guys, now listen, he's speaking to his followers, and just as real as if we were there, he's spoken his word to us. He's speaking that same direction. Just as real as if Jesus Christ were standing here himself, he came down from heaven and said, tonight I've got a message for you. That's what happens when we get together, by the way, amen? When we study his word, God is speaking to us. 
And tonight he is saying, just as real as he said to them, I want you to be my witnesses, and here's how I want that to happen. He told them specifically, I want it to start in Jerusalem. I want it to go into all Judea, then Samaria, and even to the uttermost. And by the way, just think about it. They didn't even have a clue what the uttermost was. Wow. All over the world. Jerusalem. That really kind of for us. Kind of, it's kind of like saying, hey, I want this message, guys. Listen, here's your assignment. This message, you're to be my witnesses. I want you to go out into all of Queensbury. I want all Glens Falls. I want Corinth. I want Lake George. I want Hudson Falls. I want Fort Edward. I want Lake Luzerne. I want this whole area. I want you to be my witnesses and make sure this area gets the memo. Christ has come. The Savior, the hope, our help is here, amen? That's the reason we're doing events like Courageous. Yeah, it's going to be fun for us, and you know, it's good to watch a movie and a date night and all that good stuff, but listen, that, that's a byproduct, but really, the primary thing we want to say is, hey, hey, we want to share with our community. Here's a great message, or a great movie. It's going to be a great night out for you and for your wife or you know, for some adults to come out, and our hope is that in watching that movie, the message will get across that God cares for you. He's got hope for your life. That's why we do those kind of things. He said, I want you to go into Judea. That was really more like a, a larger region around them. I mean, a, 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 we might could say that, that might be uh, like our state, okay? Where we would say, okay, uh, we live in this area, Jerusalem. We live in Queensbury in this area and the, the surrounding areas. But we have a larger effort that we're a part of. Did you know we're a part of a larger effort? Did you know it's not just about new hope? It's not about new hope. It's about Jesus Christ. Jesus wants the world to know him, and he just happens, hopefully, to be working through a group of people that, that kind of have designated, given ourselves a name called New Hope, that we're working together in this area. But did you know that we've got about 30 other churches that we're directly partnered with across this area, across this region, and many, many more across the state, and we help them and we work with them? Did you know that we've started two church plants, one in Southlands Falls, one in Clifton Park, besides New Hope, and that we've went down and we've done car washes for them, or we've done child care for them, or we've helped them with different aspects of their ministry? Because you know what? It's not just about what God's doing in our, our area, but we want to partner together and help people to spread the good news all over the state of New York. Amen? He said, I want you to go into Samaria. Maybe that would be analogous to our country, the United States. There's a, there's, a, there's, a broader, there's a broader region that we're a part of, okay? And I don't live all over the United States, but, but I live in the United States, and I can make an impact in the United States, and we've, we've done that. We've partnered together. We share missionaries with you all the time that we're partnered together with through finances and praying, and, and we've gone down a, a couple of times on mission trips to help with Hurricane Katrina and, and the cleanup and sharing Christ and helping people with their homes. And by the way, we're going to be doing more of that stuff. Recently, we've put our attention on Thailand, which really kind of goes to the next region but you know what we're going to start adding in a little bit more of uh, that Samaria as well we, we need to touch more of the region called the United States amen if this is the third largest country in the world that doesn't have Jesus as its savior then we ought to be doing some things to help our country come to know the Lord amen and then he said I want you to go to the uttermost I want you to reach the world I want my message to go global way beyond the horizon for what you can see. That's why we go to Thailand. We've been to Thailand three times. We've been to Kenya once. And we're going to continue to ask God ways. We're praying about India. We're praying about other ways that we can reach out and expand and say, God, you know what? There are billions of people that need you. We can't touch them all, but we can touch some. Amen. This verse, this chapter, this, this concept, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, 
is, uh, is why you may hear some people, uh, as you are a Christian, as you are kind of, you know, as you're in a growth group or as you are a part of God's ministry, you might hear somebody say sometime, I want to be an Acts 1-8 Christian. Maybe you've heard somebody say that. Or, you know what, this church wants to be an Acts 1-8 church. Amen? After hearing what we've talked about tonight, we should want to be an Acts 1-8 church. Amen? In fact, we're developing a team of people, and, and, and Tony, who's serving as an intern here in our church, part of his assignment is to help us to develop that team of people that helps us with outreach and with missions. And we've thought, you know, we might call that the Great Commission team because that's what some churches call this, this uh, mission that God's given us, the Great Commission. But I think another great name might just be the Acts 1-8 team. Amen? Just say, you know what, this is the team that helps us locally, regionally, nationally, and globally share the good news about Jesus through New Hope. So what does all that mean? God calls us to take the good news that we found. I've heard someone say, it's like one beggar telling other beggars where he found some bread. God calls us to take that good news and share it with the rest of the world, both near to us and far away. Now, in just a moment, we're going to read Matthew chapter 28. And in verse 19, there's a verse there that implies there's really two aspects of that. And I want you to be aware of this because I think, it's, I think it's true. I think it's a valid point. That means that sharing that we're to do, God calls us to be his witnesses. There's really two aspects of that. One is, hey, while you're living your life, share the good news. Most of us go to school. Most of us work. Most of us live in this general area. Some of us travel a little bit beyond that, maybe have an impact in other regions of the state or our country, or maybe you go to school in other regions. But wherever it is that you live and you move, the Bible instructs us, listen, friend, as you are going through life, share the good news. Okay, so what does that mean? I should be thinking about my coworkers. I should be thinking about my family. I should be thinking about my neighbors. I should be thinking about the stores that I usually kind of frequent that, that my family goes to. We, you know, if you like to eat a certain pizza place, or thing, I should be, as I'm going through life, I should be seeking to share the good news. But also Matthew 28, 19 kind of has a command aspect that many people believe means that, you know what, there's an intentionality that's not just a as you're going through life, But even beyond your life, you should look for ways to go beyond your life to beyond your circles of influence and share the good news. Okay, so what does that mean? Even though I live in this region, do I know everybody in this region? No. Okay, do I go to the same stores that everybody, you know, I might go to Stewart's for ice cream and they go to Friendly's, you know. I might go to uh, Radio Shack and they go to Best Buy. There's people, we all go to different places. We all kind of do different things. There are some people in this community that if I don't change my routine and intentionally make an effort to share with them, I will never meet them. I will never get to know them. And there's a world out there that's not in my traffic pattern. There's a world out there that if I'm going to share the good news, I'm going to have to get on a plane and go share it. If I'm going to share the good news, I'm going to have to get in a car. I'm going to have to get on a bus. I'm going to have to get on a boat to actually go to some places that I just don't go there usually. I'm going to have to make an intentional effort. That heart for sharing is reflected in Jesus' words in Luke chapter 14, verse 23. He said this, And the master said to his servants, Go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. Jesus is having a supper, and he wants everybody to have an opportunity to be at the table. And he told his servants, go out and just shake the bushes. 
Now somebody says, uh, uh, Pastor Avi, uh, I ain't going to be one of those door knockers. All right. I mean, I'm not going to be one of those, you know, like beating, beating bushes, shaking bushes for people kind of thing. Okay, listen, let, let me just say this. You got some people have perceptions in their mind, and probably it's because of somebody that was obnoxious, okay? So we can, can we just kind of say there's always a bad apple in every bunch, okay? Can we just say that? I'm not talking so much about specifics. Listen, friend. I'm not talking so much about specific way you do that, how it happens, so much as a heart for God and a heart for others that says somehow, some way, it's got to happen. Amen? I got to find a way. It may not be my way. My way may not be your way, but I got to find a way. And listen, I don't mean to be so direct, but maybe I do, okay? It it, kind of boils down to this. Does it matter to you that tonight people are dying and going into eternity without God? Does that matter? It should matter to us, shouldn't it? Let me put it a, a different way. What are we doing as a church? What am I doing as a follower of Jesus to make it harder for people to go to hell in our town? Shouldn't, shouldn't that be our goal? Shouldn't it be difficult in Queensbury? Shouldn't, it, shouldn't there be so much opportunity to hear about God and to respond to Him? Now, some people aren't going to respond to God, but I've shared with you before, and I think it's true. I think there are a lot more people that are responsive to God than many times Christians give credit for. And we can't really control that. All we can do is be servants of God, love people, share the word, share the truth in love, and I believe that there are many people out there that will respond. And we ought to do everything we can to make that possible. Listen to this reality. If you, just like I shared a while ago, the, that, those numbers, if you share with one person every day, then you and that person, same thing as I said a while ago, then you and that person go and you share with two more people. Did you know it would only take a little more than a month to share with the whole world? I didn't realize that. Until I begin to look at the, the, it would only take a little over a month. If and that's not a lot, it's one person a day. If every one of us said one person a day, I'm going to share the good news. We could cover the world. I think it's about 36 days, a little bit over a month. Why do we get more excited about rumors spreading and about the good news getting out? Amen. The Bible says in Matthew chapter four, verse nine. Verse 19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So I want to challenge somebody tonight. Are you truly a follower of Jesus? Because Jesus says, if you're following, like one pastor said, if you're following, you're fishing. Amen. If you're a follower of Jesus, he says, if you follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Some of us tonight, we might be interested in Jesus. We might be kind of you know, drawn to the things that happen in church and, and kind of like some of his teaching and, and it all sort of works for me and all that kind of thing. But friend, the Bible says, if you love me, John fourteen fifty, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. We cannot pick the commandments we like. We got to say, God, you're the Lord. Whatever you're teaching me, that ought to be my heart. Amen. God has a plan for reaching all the nations of the world. And really, that's what helps me to think about it. Like I said last week, we don't need to think about this as some burden. God said, okay, you guys got to do this hard thing. No, it's like we get to be the ones. The good news. 
There's good news. It's, it's good news of great joy for all the people. The angels got to say it. We ought to get to say it. Amen? It's, it's a privilege. God allows us the, 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 the opportunity to be called as his witnesses in the lives of others. But also this, God calls us not only to witness, but he calls us to make disciples. Let's read uh, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Before I do that, you know, uh, some of us, uh, for some of us, that whole being a witness and sharing, you know, we've got to kind of think about that. That's a, that's a challenge. That's a little bit new. But for other people, you know what? Maybe you've heard that before, or maybe that's not a problem for you. You love sharing about the Lord. You're just kind of Johnny Appleseed for Jesus, and you're just sowing seeds everywhere you go. Y'all remember Johnny Appleseed, don't you? They used to talk about him in school. And God bless you, if you are. But I have to tell you something. That's not the end of the story. Sowing seeds indiscriminately is not a bad thing. I mean, I ought to be sowing, sowing seeds everywhere I go. Just every opportunity I have, I ought to be sowing seeds, okay? But that's not the end of the story. We are to sow seeds, but that's not all that God calls us to do. Look at Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus said, it says, Jesus came up. He spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. By the way, I was just chewing on that a little bit this week. My goodness. We talked about the horizon that we can see in the universe was 168, what was it, 21 zeros, miles, and that was probably infinitely small compared to the rest of the universe. Jesus says all the authority that's handed out in that, he has. I think maybe we should have some sound effects next time I read that verse. All authority has been given me on heaven and on earth. Boom. Amen. Wow. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. Behold, look at this. Mark it down. He's saying, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Jesus said, go into all the world. That's what we were just talking about. Go spread the good news. As you're going, we said, just living life, just your regular lifestyle, share with the people that you come across uh, their path. Also, make some intentional efforts. Sometimes make an effort to go somewhere different, to, 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 to get out of your pattern, but go spread the good news. But he didn't just say, share the good news. What did he say in this verse? He says, go therefore and do what? Make disciples of all the nations what is a disciple and what does it mean to make some of them make them and not just some of them all the nations all the world the word disciple means to be a follower to be one and in jesus day this would have been very very real to them We've heard about some of the Greek philosophers we study through history. Okay, we, we hear about those the Greek philosophers that they had students that would study under them, and they would kind of put themselves under that teacher. And they would follow that teacher. They, and, and so we're not just talking about going to a lecture, you know, you buy a DVD and you kind of listen to some, oh, you know, that's good, you know, self-help, whatever. You know, it's not just the teaching video, okay? This is you, you, you listen to the lectures, but then, hey, we're going for lunch, Right? And you watch how that person acts and interacts and how they live out that teaching. That's really what a disciple is. It's someone who puts themselves under the instruction of another. 
God wants people to give their lives to him. That's our salvation. I trust Christ. I invite him to come into my life. I give my life to him. And, and what he's saying is when I give my life to him, that I'm giving my life to him. That I'm putting myself under his teaching that I'm becoming a follower of his. He wants people to know him and to follow him. And he really gives us a summary of what a disciple would look like. What does it say in this verse? He says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. You can almost say, kids, don't you love diagramming sentences? Don't you love it? Okay. It can be helpful sometimes, especially when reading God's word, believe it or not. Okay. And some of you English teachers are like, yeah, he got my part in. All right. All right. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. There's two branches coming off of that, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them. To observe all that I've commanded you. Now baptizing. What, what that's encapsulating is it's saying listen. Share the good news. Lead them to receive my gift. To receive my forgiveness. And, and, and then bring them to the point. That they, are seer, that, that they are honest and sincere. About that decision. To the point that they're not afraid. They're not ashamed. To publicly declare that they've given their life to me. And the way we do that is through what? Baptism. Did you know that in many places in the world, if you got baptized publicly, you could lose your life? It is recognized as an outward indication of something that happened on the inside of my life. Okay? Inside, Christ changed my life, and I'm not ashamed to identify myself. And that's really, if you read Romans chapter 6, you can write that down. Romans 6 talks about baptism. A lot of baptism is identification. I am completely immersed, submersed, covered by Jesus Christ. Baptism symbolizes that, doesn't it? Baptism doesn't do that. Water baptism doesn't. But it symbolizes what happened in my heart when I received Christ. I was buried with Christ. Now I'm fully and completely and totally submersed, immersed, covered by Jesus Christ. And I identify with him and I identify with his people, right? I'm a part of the body of Christ. And so baptism is really symbolic of I'm being incorporated into the family of God, identified with Christ and with his people. And now you are identified and involved with God's people and what he's doing in their midst. He says, I want them to receive me. Then I want them to be identified by me and with me and incorporated into my family. And then he says, I want you to teach them. Hey, how many of us, on the day that we were born, we just knew it all? Now, I know some of your kids, you know, some of your teenagers may think, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> some of us may think the day that we were born, we knew everything, right? <clears throat> but the day that we were born, we had a lot to learn. It's the same way spiritually, isn't it? We're just babies, and we need to learn, and we need to grow, and we need to develop. And you know what? We need to be taught. And the Bible says that when we're incorporated in the family, that we're responsible to take those young believers, and we're to help them to grow in the Lord. We're to disciple them. So leading someone to Christ is not finishing the deal. And for a lot of you, that makes sense, doesn't it? A lot of you have recently given your life to Jesus, and you would say, yeah, I'm not done yet. I, I, I still have some growing to do. And by the way, no matter if you've been a Christian for, for 20 minutes or 20 years, we all ought to feel that way to some extent. I still have some growing to do. I'm, I'm learning. I'm, I'm following. I need to be discipled. I need someone to teach me more and show me how to live this. Okay, now let's go back to that thing that I said at the beginning. If it was you trying to do that all by yourself, Many times when we think about sharing the good news, we think, well, I'm not Billy Graham. Isn't that what people say? I say it all the time. 
I'm not Billy Graham. I can't do what Billy Graham does. Well, that's good. Because Billy Graham's way won't work for all of us. If you shared with a thousand people every day, it would take you over 200 lifetimes to share with everybody. Okay, so that's good news. I don't have to be Billy Graham. Isn't that good? (laughs) By the way, that's just sharing. That's not discipling. That's just sharing. That's just personally talking with a thousand. Next thousand, okay, that would take you every day 200 lifetimes. However, if I will just begin, this is exciting to me, if I will just begin adjusting my life in such a way that I would be willing to take one person every six months and in some way pour my life into them and somehow share some things that I've learned about God, if we would all do that and continue to do that, it would only take, like we said, how many years? About 15 or 16 or 17 years to, full, to disciple, at least to spend six months pouring into someone the whole world. Well, let's make it even easier than that. We can't do the whole world, but what about our area? There are about 60,000 people who live within a five-mile radius of exit 19, okay? If we all took somebody and poured into them about once a week for about six months, and if we all did that, and those people turned around and did that, it would only take us eight years to reach and teach every person in our local area. Wow, that's encouraging to me. How about you? It's a very doable proposition. And by the way, if that's overwhelming to you because you think it's 60,000, how can I do 60,000? Remember, that doesn't mean that you personally have to touch 60,000 people. In fact, in eight years, it's just talking about that you're going to work with one person every what? Every six months. Now, guys, now you're starting to see why God called me to be a pastor. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12, listen, my heart is I want to share with as many people as I possibly can. And sometimes God calls people to be pastors to, to specifically focus on working together to train the others so we can all go back in together. Amen? That's the genius of God's plan. If we all just were Lone Rangers doing it by ourselves, Billy Graham, thousand a day for over 200 lifetimes, you ain't going to do it. But if we work together, that's a pretty manageable pace. It would take some sacrifice, but it's a pretty manageable pace, isn't it? One person every six months for about eight years. <laughs> Where else we got to go? We're done here. Amen? Wouldn't that be awesome? Remember what we talked about last time? God works on a different baseline than we do. A human being can walk, I don't know, two, three, four miles an hour. The fastest of us, Usain Bolt, I think he was like 27, 28 miles an hour. Okay, so even with a tailwind, Usain Bolt, 30 30 miles an hour. Okay? We learn that God's speed measure, ours is 30 miles an hour. What was his, the speed of light, kids? 186,000 miles a second? Are you getting the idea? God kind of works a little. We do addition. He does multiplication, even exponents. We do simple interest. Who likes compound interest? Hey, rack it up, baby, right? That's how God does things. The point is this. is It is possible to share with the world the good news and grow those that he wants to be his followers fairly quickly. If we do it God's way, 
and with his power. So let's wrap it down to this. He called us to make disciples. Okay, it's easy for us as Christians to get excited and to feel good about all these abstract principles and all the millions and we can cover the thousands. Now, this is cool and this is exciting. Here's the question. Who is growing closer to God because of you? Not this is a good idea. Not, well, I'm sure somebody is. You know, not some person, abstract, but a name. You, you put it in your head. Who's the person? Who is a person that you are personally influencing so that that person can become closer to God? Who are you pouring your life into and saying, I don't know much, but let me share what I'm learning. And hopefully that can help you. And you know what, friend? This place ain't about guilt and shame, okay? This ain't about, oh, I'm such a terrible Christian. I'm a loser Christian. No, that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is we're here to be challenged by God, amen? And tonight, if you haven't been thinking about that, I'm glad you came because now you're thinking about it. And say to the Lord, Lord, if I'm not, I'm sorry, Lord. I either knew to and I neglected it or I never knew and I hadn't been doing it, but God, I want to. Amen? Friends, I got to tell you, this is something you're going to hear more and more about at New Hope. You ever hear that worship, grow, serve thing we talk about? There's a reason for that. Hey, you know, and I think a lot of people are worshiping. A lot of you have gotten consistent and coming and together as a group, as a family. We're seeking God together. And you're learning about worshiping God on your own, in your car. You're listening to Christian CDs and worship music. And you're spending time with God and His Word. Praise God. Amen. We're experiencing that worship thing. We need to continue to grow in that. The, the grow part. Hey, yeah, you know what? I'm getting in a growth group and I'm reading the Bible. And when I come to church, I'm taking notes and I'm growing and God's working in my life. And that's great. What this is really talking about really is that serve thing. And I want to challenge you. Some people see serving like this. Some people say, well, God's working in my life, and so I'm supposed to support the ministry, and so I'm going to make my contribution. I'm going to give back, and so I'm going to serve. I don't want you to think about it like that. It's not, uh, hey, I've been receiving, and so I'm obligated to give back. I mean, there's some truth in that. I mean, if you receive, that you pour back into. But I don't really want us to think about it as an obligation. Because God's working in my life, I guess I've got to help other people. No, I'd want to think about it like this. To be honest with you, as you, get, as you walk with Christ, you begin to see the worship and the grow are really so that I can serve better. Amen, anybody? Rather than, I want to worship, and I want to grow, and yeah, maybe I'll serve some. No, it's really, I want to serve. I want to make a difference in somebody's life. And God, I need to worship. If I ain't at church this week, I ain't going to have the right attitude this week, and I ain't going to be helped to anybody. God, I need to stay in your word, because if I ain't growing, I'm going to be selfish, and I, you know, I'm going to have the wrong perspective, and, and I'm not going to be able to help anyone. You see the difference? And listen, that's going to grow in our church family. As we move forward, we're going we're gonna to emphasize more and more the growth groups thing. Listen, that's got to happen. We've got to do life together. We've got to grow together, to challenge, to get to know one another, to encourage one another, and to serve together out of smaller groups to impact the people around us. There's a ministry that we're wanting to develop called Side by Side, where when someone comes to know the Lord as their Savior, that we, we say to them, hey, we've got someone. If there's a lady, hey, we've got another lady who's been trained, and she's going to spend six months with you, encouraging you and introducing you to the church family, what it means to be a new believer. If there's a guy, hey, we've got a man that's been trained, and if you'd like to meet with him, he'll meet with you once a week, and he'll pray for you, and he'll encourage you, and he'll kind of be you know, someone to walk alongside. Wouldn't it be awesome? I've got to tell you something. I've never been in a church that had that, but I'm about to be. Amen? That's going to happen at New Hope. 
as we move to our new facility, we're probably, honestly, going to attract some attention. We're probably going to see more people come to our church. But I've got to be honest with you, we're not trying to draw a crowd. Hey, we invite the crowds to come. But you know what? We want to challenge people. The next step is really, we want to challenge, we want to encourage you. Have you found Jesus? Have you given your life to him? And we want to give opportunity as people encounter God and, and he works in their life and, and God's timing in their life. And we want to give people space for that. Many of you know, you, we, we allow people to come as long as they need to to seek God and his direction. But we want to encourage you that God is working and he wants to work in your life. And we want to give them the opportunity, if they're ready, to take that step to receive him and to be discipled. There should be no one in our church family who wants to grow that doesn't have someone to help them do that. Amen. Friends, listen, God can do anything. He could have done this all on his own. He doesn't need us. I think there's a lot of reasons why he's entrusted this to us, and we can talk about that another time. But here's my challenge to us tonight. Will we simply do the assignment that God has given us to do? And maybe tonight God is just getting your heart ready as we move forward. As we think about God bringing more people to us, listen, I would guess that probably every person who's connected with our church family right now needs to be seriously considered taking your own steps forward with God because it's probably going to be just a few months before somebody's going to need your help for them to move forward with God. Amen? And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Drew was working with some dominoes today. I just couldn't help but think about it. The other day we were talking about dominoes in the message. Isn't that how the blessing is? One person touches another, touches another, and just keep the dominoes going. And what we're learning about God is he doesn't just have just one line of dominoes. He's got like 85 million thousand rows. And they're all like just, that's a billion, by the way. <laughs> but God's got all these dominoes, all these lives. Isn't that a great thing? And it's my heart's desire to be a part of a church. Not that we say we've seen fireworks and bells and whistles in our lifetime just for the fun of it. But that we would say in our lifetime we got to see God work in our lives and hopefully work through us to work in somebody else's life. And when we get to heaven, that there's a lot of people there because somehow, some way, we were a part of it. Amen? And maybe you're here tonight. And maybe that's why God brought you here. You know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14 that when, when the people of God get together, that sometimes people come to observe that. They say, you know, I'm learning about God. I want to know more about God. Is, is that okay? Absolutely. I remember one of the very first couples that ever came to our church. They sat in our living room. They said, hey, Pastor Robbie, Shannon, can we just come to church? Can we just listen? Can we just, can we just try to understand? <laughs> Let me pray about it. Amen. Yes. Please. Just, just come. Maybe that's you tonight. Maybe, maybe God's working in your heart. And you have not yet given your life to Jesus Christ. But the Bible says that, that when a person who hasn't yet made that decision sees others, maybe who have, that hopefully you'll see the love that we have for him and the love that he has for us. And you'll say, that's the Jesus. That's the God I want. I want to give my life to him. And that's our hope and our prayer. We're talking tonight about God's plan for all the peoples of the world. And guess what? You're one of those people. And he would have given his life. As someone 
reminded me the other day he would have given his life even if it was for you alone. He loves you that much. Friend, tonight, would you say, Jesus, I surrender. This is too much. I can't swallow it all tonight, but, but I know you're the one. And whatever it means, I, I want to follow you and I give my life to you. Maybe somebody needs to do that tonight. Let's, let's bow our heads for just a few moments tonight as we think about what God's saying to us. Maybe for those of us who do have a personal relationship with Christ. Maybe the one piercing question tonight is. Is anyone growing closer to God because of my life? And as I said, friend, don't let the enemy use that as a guilt and condemnation. And you're so terrible. No, it's just it's it's a challenge from your Lord. Are you allowing him to use you? And if you're not, tonight will you say, I want to? Would you say that to him, Lord? I can't think of anyone specifically that I'm pouring my life into, but I want to. Would you use me, God? God, The Bible says God's looking for people whose hearts turn towards him so that he can work strongly on their behalf. Isn't that good news tonight? Is your heart turned towards the Lord? Is it open for his purposes through your life? Has he blessed you so that you can be a blessing to others? And would you let him do that? And Lord, tonight I pray if there is someone here who has not trusted Christ, that tonight would be the night that they would say, wow, God, you are amazing. And I can do nothing but respond by giving my life to you. I receive your gift, thankfully. And I ask you to come into my life and be my savior. I want to follow you. God, in these moments, I pray that you would seal up any decisions that need to be made before this time is closed. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're a guest of New Hope, maybe you wouldn't be aware of this, but at the end of our service, we have a time where we sort of think about what God said because the Bible says, as I mentioned earlier, it's good to hear God's word, but it's not really enough. When God speaks, we ought to be listening and we ought to respond to it. We ought to do something with it.